Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rambo, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out to what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. I want to start tonight the book of Jeremiah, the first chapter of the book of Jeremiah. We're going to start in the fourth verse. The anointing, the last day anointing, what it means to you and I, what it meant to them, and what it's going to mean to those that, that, that come around you and I. All right? Jeremiah, the first chapter, the fourth verse, says this, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I anointed thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, I want to stop there because I want you to understand that God uh, absolutely is no respecter of persons. Now, oh, this may be hard for some of you to grasp onto, and I'm sure some of you may have already uh, studied this and know this, but bear with me here for a moment. The fact of it is that God knew us from the foundation of this world. You are not a mistake. All right, I, every once in a while I get people come and say, well, I was an unwanted child. Well, you may think you were unwanted by your mom and dad, but you're here because God wanted you here, okay? God does not make mistakes. And there's somebody out here tonight needs to hear that, so just gather that in and love it, okay? God does not make mistakes. So God, from the foundation of the world, He knew us, communicated with us, and bless God, and how did He do that? Spirit to spirit. That's the way He operates, all right? Now, because he did, and, and in this case, he's telling Jeremiah. Now, remember, he's speaking specifically to Jeremiah. And he said, I knew you. Let me, let me make sure I quote this right. He says, he said, before, before I formed thee in the belly. In other words, before you were in your mama's womb, I knew thee, and before you camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So, where are we ordained by God? From the foundation of the world. Now, grab on to this. You and I, we knew each other from the foundation of the world. You and I knew each other. We communicated. We, we were more than... God communicated with us, all right? So, so we, we were in touch. I think the real neat part of this is, is to come to that point and realizing that now all we're really trying to do is once again hook back up that we're in these clothed bodies, first made what? Spirit made in the image of God Himself, and we're locked up into these clothing bodies, and bless God, you know, we, and we, we operate, these bodies operate with what's called the five senses, the smell and the, the sight and the hearing and that stuff, feel and all that, whatever I left out. But that's what the body operates by. Now, the Spirit doesn't operate according to the senses. The Spirit operates by the Spirit, all right, unto the Spirit of God. Uh, once, once you see that we, uh, can I say this politely, give up the ghost, we die, then we are able to come out of these clothed bodies and once again be that which we were created in the beginning, as spirit. So, it, uh, so, so when, when, when you begin, when you begin to, to look at this thing, you begin to study this thing, you begin to realize something that's of, of, of great importance. That, that God brought you forth for a reason. 
And the reason that you were ordained, and you were ordained. See, we go through this thing and, well, now, where were you ordained, Brother Deckard? I was ordained by God. Well, just what, where, where did you get ordained at? I said, from the foundation of the world. And here's the signs will confirm my ordination. I have no problem with that. I have no problem, as, I, as I've said, and I think most of you have heard me say, I give signs to presidents, to queens, to kings, to prime ministers all over this world. Signs that come to pass, not something that's come to pass 20 years from now. Signs that come to pass within three to seven days. They have all come to pass to this point. Now, it doesn't mean that next time I go that, uh, that it's guaranteed that that'll come to pass because it, it has all, it has everything to do with my hookup with God, just like with your hookup with God. And that's what we want to get you to this weekend is so you can begin to understand that number one, you and God communicated from the foundation of this world. You communicated. And through that communication, there was an agreement made. And the agreement made with, with God and you was, this is what I, the Lord God, have commissioned you to do, and this is what you're going to do at the given time in which He gives us to do it. It's just, and you, and you see, the, the, the wild thing about this, we read in the Scriptures, and thank God for the Scriptures, but we read in the Scriptures about the prophets. We read about this man Elijah that could bring fire down from heaven. We, 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 you know, we, 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 we read about the things of the raising the dead and the, the meal barrel not going dry and the cruise of oil having a cruise in it throughout the three-and-a-half-year drought in Elijah's day that happened with the widow lady and her son. And, and we look at those things and we go, Wow, these are really something. I, I wish that Elijah was here today. Guess what? Elijah is here today. Hello, Elijahs. You're here. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by some misappointed time by God. We are all that God has. And He will do through us as He did through them if we are ready to comply to Him. And that's where the key's at. Now, you go back and you begin to, you begin to, to, to look at where the church has come in, in, in 2,000 plus years. How far have we come? Well, you know the thing that just absolutely gets under my skin and does it real quick. We have come nowhere. We we have digressed. We haven't we haven't proceeded forward. There are not enough men and women walking the face of this earth today that can ever stand and claim to ever see one blind eye open, one deaf ear ever come open, let alone anybody dead that's ever been raised in the name of Yeshua. And you know that, and I know that because I travel the world and I see it. And it isn't because I do it, I stand here and point a finger and accuse them. It's because I do it because I found out a way that it works. And you know what the way is? It's called not compromising God. That's what it's called. It is called what I said earlier. God is going to bring the last day believer back to holiness. And we're going to walk in it. We're going to talk it. We're going to live it. And we're going to be it. Now... So, so God says to, to, says to, to, to me, He says, Now, Deckard, I, I, I've anointed you, and I'm going to bring you forth in, 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 in um, what's called the, the last generation. And I said, Well, Lord, you know, I, 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 I'd rather Jeremiah. You know, I mean, look at what he did. I'd rather, I'd rather Elijah be there because look what he did. You know what God says? You don't understand. They have no more than you've got. Say they... Come on, they have no more than what I got. And that's the truth. You're walking in it, 
You just don't know what to do with it. You're kind of like a dog with a new bowl. You're looking at it. You don't know whether to drink out of it, eat out of it. You're just, well, there's a new bowl. Okay? And the fact of it is the church hasn't come far enough in 2,000 years to bless God because let me tell you why I know that. We are supposed to be, by now, working the greater works of God. That was commissioned to us from the foundation of the world, too. We are to be working the works of God. And what we're still trying to do for the most... And I'm going to talk about the overall church now. I'm going to talk about everything from the, from the Roman Catholics to the charismatic movement. For the most part, we're still trying to decide if there even be a Wahakadish, a Holy Ghost. We're still trying to decide if it's either... And then we don't understand the very principle of God, which is called what? Unity. We do not understand the principle. So God gave us 2,000 years during a time that He deemed through, through, through the Apostle Paul to call dispensation of grace. Simply a time for us to get this thing straightened around and get it right. And guess what? We didn't. Dispensation of grace is for, for all uh, sense of the word is, uh, words are, is over. We are about to now be catapulted by God into a transition period in a time. And it will be the last transition that the church on the face of this earth will ever know. It will be the greatest move of God, even that which Elijah saw, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Peter, Paul, and the rest of them. This will surpass everything that they did, my brothers and my sisters. And yet you and I are sitting back, and we're trying to, we're trying to say, well, you know, God told me this and God told me that. Let me tell you something. Do yourself a favor and do God a favor and shut your mouths and quit saying God told you anything. Work the works of God. That's what God wants. He's not interested in a bunch of happy words coming out of people's mouths. What He's interested in is what you and I are going to do to bring the rest of that dying world out there into His kingdom. That's what He's after, and you and I can't produce that because if we could, we'd be getting it done. Amen? So, so, so we have now come to that place. And God said, I have given you. We don't have Peter. We don't have Paul. We don't have Elijah. What we got is you and I. But we sat there when they sat there at the foundation. We were there when they were there. They came, they did their lot, and they passed by. Now it's our turn. It's our turn. What are we going to do? What are we going to do now? Well, now, Brother Deckard, I just plan to sit on back and wait till you know. No, 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 no. This is our generation. It's our time. It's our anointing. We're the ones that would God save to bring forth in this hour. If He wanted Jeremiah here, Jeremiah would have been here. But He didn't want Jeremiah here. He wanted you and I here. And the sad indictment against you and I is very simple. We not only don't work the works of God, dear God in heaven, we can't see a sick cow be healed. Most of the time. And yet we're the ones running around saying, we believe God for this, we believe God for that. You know the thing I say to so many people around the United States? What makes you different than the people across the street from you that you know are heathens? What makes you different? What makes you stand out and everybody say, Well, you know, I want to be like them, and, and I, I want to go to where they go to church, and I, I want to... I want, you know, what, what, what makes you different? Or is it the fact that you not only pretty well look like everybody else, because we've let so much of the church 
let the world that's come into the church, I mean, that we don't look any different anymore than they look. Not a bit different. Irene was telling me today that the statistics came out here this last month or so is now saying that we've got more divorce in the church than they got in the world. Or as much as. I'm not sure which that was. But anyway, it's equal to now. They've got more so. Well, what is this about? Folks, it's about wrong teaching and wrong believing. It's just that simple. We've been taught wrong and we've believed wrong. And now that we've done that, and some of us see the remnant of God is beginning to be pulled out from among this nation. And, and I, 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 Don and I, we are so in awe every place that we go. The pastor, uh, Brother Paul, when we were there with, with, uh, with uh, Pedro Valdez and, and Adrian, he opened his arms up and embraced this thing like it was a long-lost brother. He didn't know anything about it. When I finished, he said, that's what I've looked for all my life. That's it. What's, what's going on? The anointing of God is beginning to penetrate the walls. The walls. Can I, can I say the prisons of the church? And the prisoners are starting to do what? Being set free. And I'm going to tell you something. Once you get set free, you're going to be free. Okay? You're going to be free. He goes on to say something. He said, Then said I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Now, now, does this happen to everybody? No, this doesn't happen to everybody. It doesn't take place with everybody. This took place with Jeremiah. So God said, You speak because my words are now in your mouth. And of course, you, you read the rest of uh, the book of Jeremiah and you, 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 you become astounded at the things in which the Lord God did what? Like he, he had him to speak and how it came to pass and how the Lord God said the things that he said and the way that he said them. And, and you know, when you stand back and you look at it and you begin to look at it, you're saying, well, yeah, but they were this, they were that. But don't forget what I told you when we began this thing. I simply said what? You knew him too. You were there. We were together. He, he Jeremiah stood up. God spoke to him. God said, this is what you're going to do. Now listen closely, because some of you are going to have to really grasp onto this. It has been ordained from the foundation of the world what you are to do for God. Do you know what most people spend their lifetime doing? Trying to find out if there's a connection between them and God. Not even knowing that there already is, let alone understanding what it is that God put them here on this face, the face of this to do. Do you know what peace is? It's understanding what God has you here for. That's what real peace is all about. When you understand what God has got you here for, peace will come upon you like a, like a river. First Chronicles, if you'll turn there with me in the 16th chapter. First Chronicles 16. I've got a lot of one-versers here, but I want to get through this tonight because I've got a, I've got a bundle of stuff to do over this weekend. First Chronicles 16, 22. It says, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Now, notice that there's a comma after the word anointed. So God distinguishes a difference. And most people think, well, it's, he, he's just talking about the prophets. No, no. Touch not mine anointed. 
Who are his anointed? You are his anointed. Touch them not. You realize that, you know, and, and some of you have heard the stories that I've told. I mean, I, 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 there's, a, there's a, a list of, of people that, that have, have done me as a prophet harm that today are dead. And they're dead because they touched something that God didn't want touched. You just don't, you don't monkey with the prophets. You know, I, I have said for years, you may not like me, you may not want to be around me, but do yourself the biggest favor you're ever going to do yourself. You leave, keep your mouth shut, and go about your business. Because if you don't, God's going to get you. Because I am a prophet of God. And this isn't a game. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, this, this is hardball. This is what this thing's all about. You want to know why, how a prophet operates? I'm going to teach you this weekend how a prophet operates. Can you operate like what I operate? Yes, to degrees you can. And we're going to, uh, and, and you're going to leave here this weekend. Like I said, when I bring out the, the, the horn of oil, I'm going to pour oil on you. So you don't want to come here, you don't want to come here Sunday with, with your Sunday meeting clothes on thinking that, well, you better wear something that, bless God, that you can wash and, and Donna can tell you how to get all that oil out anyway. It'll come out, girls. Okay? I know it might, it might undo your Sunday best hairdo, but, uh, you'll get over that. The anointing will be worth, worth that. So, so, that's not my anointing. Now, now, here is, here is something that I said for, for, I guess, the beginning of my ministry. Everybody has an anointing. The key is how do you bring forth that anointing out of your life? And how do you know for a fact that the anointing that you're trying to bring forth is what God really ordains you with in the foundation world? Well, we're, we're going to talk probably quite a bit about that through the next uh, a few meetings because you need to understand that, that everything that's done is supposed to be judged by the prophets. Now, we, we have to, we judge the spiritual things of the church. The spiritual things we judge. So is this a spiritual matter? You bet this is a spiritual matter in your life. It is the anointing that God has given you. Anointings are very, very, very special things. Alright? Uh, I have often said if the Lord God would appear to me today and said, Deckard, uh, I'm, 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 I'm gonna lift the anointing from you and, and so, uh, but you go on down to preach tonight. You know what I told the Lord? I'll take my stripes on that day. I quit. I am an anointing junkie. I have to, I have to have the anointing work in me like people have to take, uh, uh, uh these drugs that they take. Because it, it's, it, it's there. I, you're, people say to me, do you, do you do two meetings a day? Honey, I'll do three meetings a day if you'll, you'll put up with me. Why? Because I live for the anointing. I live for God in me and God, what God does through me. And I will continue to live that way. Why? Because it is me given in my life to you. And that's what your anointing is. Well, see, the anointing is not for you. See, and sometimes we misunderstand that. The anointing of God doesn't work for you. The anointing of God works for others. And, and, and we'll, we're going to talk about some of that as we, we get through this. But, but I want you to know, there again, touch not my anointed. So God doesn't want any of us touched. Why? Because God placed something in you that is absolutely valuable to Him. You know what God placed in you? He placed in you a commission for you to go forth into this world when it's your time and for you to perform His works. Now, He invested in you from the foundation of the world and he wants to get what he invested in you out of you. See, I, I, I think that most of us are trying to find a way to make God work 
through us. And what we don't understand is, you're here so God can work through you. I don't mean in this room tonight. I mean you're on this earth so God can work through you. So God can be what He wants to be in you and what He ordains you. See, He told you something at the foundation of the world too. He spoke and told you something. And what He told you was just as personal as what He told Jeremiah. Now, obviously, what He told Jeremiah didn't end up real personal because He put it in the book. All right? But the fact of the matter is, He spoke to you and He became very personal with you about your anointing that is His and He told you what it was that you were going to do with that anointing when it was your turn to be here on this earth. Now, uh, if you begin to let your, let your, let your head uh, begin to, to bless God, to begin to comprehend some of this, you'll, you'll begin to say, oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, then, then bless God, you know, it's not a matter of me trying to talk God into it. See, see what, some of us think it's a matter of how many prayers we pray, it's a matter of how many days that we fast, It's a matter of how much Scripture we read. It's a matter of how many times we attend church. And it's none of that. It's none of that at all. It is the anointing that God put in you from the foundation of the world that God is desperately trying to get you to come to a place where you can use that anointing, whatever it is. Let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 10. 1 Samuel 10. And, and you know, I I, I think that, that through... Through what I have, what I have watched through the years, and, and I've, I've watched a lot of it, I, I begin, I begin to realize some things about, about the things of God and the way God does what He does and why He does what He does. And you know, the, the most of what I see in people's lives, I, I, people are afraid to step out in faith. And, and when you, when you get, when you get to the point where you're afraid to step out in faith, do you know what happens? Then you withdraw yourself and you take yourself and the anointing that was given to you by God from the foundation, and you set it aside. Uh, the, the thing that I love, and I get very strong about the people that think they're hearing from God, it's a familiar spirit, because there's a danger in that. But let me tell you what the other danger is. is those of you that bless God, that know that God deals with you, and you're too backward and you're too shy, because after all, it's just me, Lord. Some of you know exactly who I'm talking to tonight, because you're here. You see, that's also a danger. Because you see, what, what I have been able to, 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 through the years, to understand is it's really quite simple that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he doesn't care how he gets this from you or keeps you from operating in it. He just wants to do it. So he'll use a number of ways. Some of the things that we began, we opened up tonight with when we begin to pray and begin to make sure that you, your hearts were clean is, is part of that. If he can keep you upset, with somebody, if he can get you to the place where you're holding a grudge or, or unforgiveness or however you want to deem that, do you realize that he won? Because, see, that's not the way it works. It doesn't work that way. It works through a, through a broken and a contrite spirit. That's the way it operates. First uh, uh, Samuel, uh, let's see, I'm still looking for 10. First uh, Samuel 10. And, and, and in the 10th chapter, we're going to go 1 through 7 here, okay? Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon the head, his head, and kissed him, and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Now, now this is, of course, about, uh, about who I call a, a king for a day. 
um, um, Saul, and thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men at Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelazah, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left uh, left the, the care of the asses and sorrow for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there will meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou, shalt, thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a palsy and with a tabard and with a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. Now, I want to stop there for a minute. Now, this is a true prophet of God, which I don't think anybody in this room would want to stand up and say, say he's not, uh, as, as being Samuel. Now, notice how Samuel was in operation here. Samuel began to point out specific things, specific things, and he told him, he said, you're going to find out that, you know, about, the, about these asses, and he said that you're going to go along, you're going to beat these guys, they're going to give you this, then you're going to meet the, 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 the prophets that are coming down for the hill, and they're going to prophesy. Okay, now, now, notice what he did, though, in the, first, in the first verse. Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him. That's the thought he did. What did he do? He anointed him. Now listen to what he says in the sixth verse. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. Do you know what that is? That is the anointing. That is the anointing. I, I, I think that if Donna could come tonight, and, and, and she could stand here, and if there's one thing that she could, would, would probably like to say to all of you, uh, because most of you here do know us somewhat, but some of you don't, and hopefully by the weekend you, you, over you'll know us better. But you see, if you only know me under this anointing, all you see is a hard-nosed prophet that, I, that honestly, it, it bothers me less what you think, what you care, anything. All that bothers me is to deliver what God's dropped into my bucket so that I can be obedient to God. That's what prophets do. I've done it for 30 years, and that's what I do. Now, what Donna will tell you is, what you have missed is a big teddy bear. You have missed a guy that's heart's as big as this room, that cries buckets of tears, but nobody ever sees that. Why? Because I'm the prophet. I, this anointing, when the anointing, Donna can tell you when this anointing comes on me, she doesn't know who I am. She no more knows what's going to get ready to happen than, 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 than anybody sitting in the room. Because I, why? Because the anointing comes. Now listen, the anointing will change you. Say the anointing, the anointing. will change me. And that's what's going to happen to you this weekend. The anointing is going to change you. And you're going to become another man. Which means you're not going to be trying to operate within your own strengths, your own weaknesses, your own intelligence. No, no. You're going to become another man, man or woman, another man, and you're going to be taken over by the Spirit of God. How do you, how do you, how do you think that, that I can know. How could I know? I, I made mention here some things as we were praying that some of you had need to go do. How do I know that? Because I became that other man. I began to let the anointing operate 
through me instead of me trying to do what? Instead of me trying to sit here and say, well, let me name all this stuff, and if I get any one of them right, then somebody say amen. See, that's what the anointing is. I have learned to let the anointing take over, and I've learned to get out of the way. Uh, early on in, in my ministry, right here in this room, this is the first church that we ever built. We built seven, and this is here in the States, and this is the first one that we, we ever built was right here. And, and uh, I, was, I was young. I hadn't been in the ministry but a couple years when we, we built this church. And, and so I, I, I had experiences because I was learning and God was teaching me about the anointing. And, and so one night, one night the Lord God said to me, He said, Tonight I'm going to do something very special. And He said, I want you to be ready. And He said, I want you to, to, to understand what's going to happen. And I said, what's going to happen? And He said, I am going to take you out of your body. I said, well, Lord, that's kind of scary. Doesn't that mean I'm dead? He said, oh, no, 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 not at all. He said, I'm going to take you out. And, and so I was preaching that night, right here on this, on this, on this podium, and I was preaching, and all of a sudden, I, I, was, I was doing like this, and all of a sudden I turned, and I was standing back there in the middle of those doors, and I was looking at me up here preaching. And I was, I was hearing, I was hearing me preach, I was seeing me preach. And the Lord God spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, after He brought me back and put me back into my body, the Lord said to me, He said, Understand, son, that I am the Lord God, and if you'll yield yourself to me, there's nothing, there is nothing that will be impossible to you. See, we, we, we get into this thing, we read the Scriptures, and, and, we, and what we don't understand by, by the things that we read, we believe that just because the Lord God says, uh, you know, ask Him, ask Him, whatever you ask, it will be done in My name. Well, that's true, but there's a prerequisite to all that. There, again, there are certain fulfillments that we're going to have to do to be able to do what? To be able to ask. See, we, uh, we do a lot of asking, but we do very little receiving, don't we? Well, you know, that's, uh, that's something for another, for another subject matter. But he said they had turned to another man. And 7th verse says, And let it, be, let it be when these signs are come upon thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Now, this is big time prophetic stuff. All right? Now, now Saul was not uh, the pick of, of, of Samuel. Samuel was not at all for Israel to have a king. But you see, Israel wanted a king. I mean, why not? The Hittites and the Prezersites and all the rest of the sites had king. We want a king. We want to be like them. And God said, Samuel was mad. And God said, let him have a king. It's not going to work. Let him have a king. It didn't work, did it? Do you know what's going on in Israel today for parallelization of that day of Samuel? Today, they, they in the government, the Knesset in, in, in Israel, is now wanting to push, push religion completely out of the government completely out. Will they get that done? I don't know for sure. I would say by the Scriptures, probably yes. But the fact of it is, what do they want? They want a king again, don't they? It looks like they would have learned something through all these years. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. What they need is the guidance of God. And I've said for a long, long time, when Israel decides that God is with us, this thing will be over. All right? But Israel's still trying to play some kind of a game that Israel can't win without without God. Let's go. Let's go to First Kings. Let's go to First Kings seventeen one. First Kings seventeen one. Now, of course, this is this is our our, our friend Elijah the Tishbite. Now, 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 listen to what he says here. 
who was of the, uh, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, I should have told you to keep your finger back over there in 1 Samuel 10. Okay? Or 1 Samuel, not Samuel's. 1 Samuel 10. Uh, because what I want you to do is, or I'll, I'll read it to you. He said that thou do in the seventh verse as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Now, this is, as I said, big time stuff. But we see over here that evidently God is tends to be that way because he, he with Elijah, he said it's not going to rain for these years according to my word. He, he didn't say God told him to say that. He didn't say anything about God telling him to do anything. He just said according to my word. Now, can and does God honor words that are spoken by people? Yes, He does, but listen closely. Not until He is sure that you are not going to absolutely take it and, and absolutely blow the whole thing with it. When God, seven, eight years ago, the Lord God finally spoke to me. And said to me, he said, son, he said, you now become my friend. Then I thought, well, Lord, I, th- I thought I was your friend. I mean, I've been doing this for a lot of years. I thought, I mean, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, we were friends. And, and, and until that time when the Lord God would say to me, I want you to go before this president or this king or who are prime minister, and I want you to prophesy. I want you to tell them, thus saith the mouth of God, and I want you to leave a sign that they'll know that the Lord God sent a prophet to them. Every time I'd say, that's fine, Lord, I'll be glad to do that, but first you're going to give me a sign. You say, you do that? You bet I used to do that. You better believe I did that. You want to know why? Because, folks, I understand something about familiar spirits. A familiar spirit, you see, you don't get a monopoly on this thing. See, we get to thinking that we get a certain place and all of a sudden, the, the uh, familiar spirit, the darkness, can't come in. And i got news for you. If that's where you're at in your life, you're done. You're done, been had. The goose has been cooked. Put a fork in it. It's over. Because the fact of the matter is, the powers of darkness can come to you in the form of an angel of light at any point and any time of your walk on the face of this earth while you're in flesh and you're in blood. Now... So I, so I go, just go to the Lord. I said, okay. Now, Lord, you give me a sign, and I'll do that. And, and, and the Lord would come back to me and say, well, what would the sign be? If you have to have a sign, what would it be? And so I'd tell him, and, that, and then he would give me the sign, and then I'd say, I'll go. That went on for 20 years. 20 years it went on. If Stephen would have been here, and he wanted to be but couldn't be here, from Barbados and West Indies, uh, Stephen could come up here and he could tell you about some things that he watched me do by the signs that God gave me that, that would that, that he spent hours standing up here telling you. The fact of it is, I'm not telling you that to entertain you. I'm telling you that that's how sure that I am that a, that a, that a familiar spirit can come in. And you've got to understand, folks, you're never going to get to the place where you're just so automatically so tight with God that the powers of darkness can't get in there, because they can and they do. So the years passed, and then as I said, the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord said to me this. He said, now, he said, 
you don't have to ask me for signs anymore so that you'll go do what it is that I want you to do. He said, I will honor the words that you speak. And I thought, wow. I thought, Lord God, I, I, don't, I don't know whether I want to do that. I don't know, I don't know whether I want the responsibility of, of, of having to, you know, of, of speaking. You know why? Huh? You die, you're dead. You understand what I said? Be healed and you're healed. Be this or be that. It's going to happen. And I'm going, Lord God, that, 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 that's such a responsibility. How, how could you? Hey, he said, because I can trust you. And see, the key of the anointing is to God to get you in a position where he can trust you to turn you loose with the kind of power that causes the dead to come up in the name of his son, Yeshua. And that's where the key's at in this thing, is his trust in you. And if he can't trust you, guess what? He's not going to use you. Now let's go back again. Can he use you? Yes, he can use you. Are you anointed of God? From the foundation of this world you are. Then the problem isn't God, is it? The problem isn't how many prayers, it isn't how many uh, chapters a day you read in the Bible, it's not how many days did you fast, it's not how many days you stand on your head and turn in circles in a corner and whistle Dixie. What it has to do is with you giving yourself to God. And if, in fact, you're willing to go that far. See, some people just aren't willing to go that far. Uh, back, to, back to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16, and in the seventh verse, it says here, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on, on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not a man as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh upon the heart. Now, where is God looking at you tonight? Upon your heart. See, that's the reason as we started tonight that I, I was very so adamant about the fact that you get clean in your heart. Get your heart cleaned up. Give God the opportunity to use you. Because God looketh what? He looks upon the heart. It's the, it's the purposes and the intents of the heart that God judges. It isn't the flesh. See, we, we get, we're all wrapped up into this. Well, you know, the old Pentecostal movement, bless their hearts, they, 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 they had such a time because you go and, bless God, the same group would get saved this week that got saved last week. And, and, and you know, I never can understand, understand that. And I, I kept, you know, I asked the pastor, well, what in the world's going on here with all this? How, how could this be? Well, you know, of course, they had all these wild answers that they had, but you know what, you know what in essence it was all about? is because they didn't know who he was and who he is and who he's going to be. Not only for now, but forever and ever and ever and ever. And folks, eternity's a long time. Amen? So how long were you with God from the foundation of the world until he brought you forth in this generation? Well, I, I don't know. Come on. How long? We don't have any, any account of what it was and the dates of the time when the foundations of the world was laid by God. And that we all gathered. Now let me give you something else that's going to blow you away. Do you realize that now that the Lord God is bringing forth what He's bringing forth, that the people that were gathered at the foundation that He spoke to, assigned all this stuff to, is about over. The room's about empty, folks. It's about over. It isn't, you see, you see, it's not everybody, not everybody 
You're chosen of God, and, and, and that's what you've got to understand. You're of a royal priesthood. You're not the back end of a donkey. You're not somebody out here, bless God, that doesn't deserve the best. You are the best because God made you the best. It isn't something that, bless God, that you just half-heartedly into. And it isn't through all these plans and these seven steps to heaven and all the things that we've been to, through all these charismatic and Pentecostal and Baptist and Catholic seminars that go on, it has to do with your heart. And that's all that it has to do with. And once that you can get your heart straightened up, then God is going to move you into position to let you receive it. Now, 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 in the 11th verse, it says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, uh, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in, and, and now he was ruddy, and with, with all of a beautiful countenance, and godly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon on David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, let's see. We saw him pouring that oil on Samuel, didn't he? Mm-hmm. But he also anointed David. And he brought forth David. So now, now can we say that, well, that there's more than one anointed vessel on the earth at the time? Yes, we can say that. We're all anointed. And that, that, that's the reason that, that, as you read, see, the, the, the Bible, the Scriptures of God were given to us for admonition, to, to, to build us up, so that we could understand. And what, what God has done in all this, He has chosen and brought forth. Now, we're going to talk seriously uh, uh, sometime within this, uh, sometime tomorrow, about the chosen of God. And there, there's a big difference between the anointed and the chosen. And, and there's a huge difference in that, and we're, we're going to get to that. But we want to concentrate not on the fact that the only reason I want to get to the chosen is I want you to understand the difference in those, but I also want you to understand that the, the, the main principle of this thing is to bring forth the anointing out of your life. That is what we're here about, is for you to work the works of God. I didn't come here to impress you by laying hands on the blind, the lame, the deaf, the dumb, the, the halt, the sick, the short legs, the long legs, the crooked legs, the twisted heads. and I didn't, I, I didn't come here to display that to you by the hand of God. I came here to do what? To anoint you and bring you forth. But in order for me to do that, I have to have you come into a place a full understanding of what this thing's all about that you're about to get anointed to and for. Because you've got to understand that. You see, when you back up and you don't realize what God's doing, the devil will come in and do what? He'll steal us so quick it won't be funny. Let's go to Isaiah 10. And of course, this, this is a scripture that I'm sure that you've heard over and over and over again. Isaiah 10, uh, uh, 27, it just simply says, uh, and it shall come to pass in the last day that his burden shall be taken away from my, off thy shoulder and the yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So the key to this is very simple. The key is to understand that the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. What destroys the yoke? Come on, what destroys the yoke? Say, I'm anointed. My anointing will 
destroy the yoke. That's simple. It's that simple. You said, now, wait a minute. It was that simple. Why haven't I worked it? Because the things that we're going to get into this weekend are trying to get you to understand what you're going to have to do. If you're going to carry, if you're going to carry the kind of anointing that will raise the dead, then you're going to have to, you're going to have to look across the street at your neighbor and you better be able to say, this is why I'm a Christian and they're a heathen. You better say, this is what makes me different than them. Yeah, and, and, so, and the right answer to that is, well, you have, you have Yeshua, you have Jesus. And that's right. But you see, folks, there's got to be more than that. Uh, because, uh, you know, the, the, the principles of where the church got so monkeyed up with this thing was, was, was very, very basically simple that we, we, we took and we did like all things that we seem to do with anything. We went to seed with it. The Lord Yeshua Jesus came to this earth for one principle. One, and only one. He came here to fulfill what the law could not do. The law could not get us to heaven. He came, shed His blood, so that we could have everlasting life. That is why He came. The covenant of God, which God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and everybody else, was given to us in order for us to be able to live on this earth by that covenant, until the time came when we gave up the ghost, and we did what? We could then go to heaven. That's what he came for. Now, he did give us the power and the authority of his name, which we're going to get into that because of the important, very important, all right? But the problem is, folks, the church went to seed with this thing, and we went to the, such a point is we've got Jesus, and we've got everything, and we don't need anything else. You don't need anything else after you give up the ghost because he came and gave it to you. The problem is, what are we going to do between the time that we received him and we go to heaven? That's the question that's got to be posed to the church, and that's the question that you're going to have to answer. We all have to answer, and the answer is very simple. The fact of it is that God made a covenant with his children, and he said, if you do this, I'll do that. If you don't do this, I can't and won't do that. And then, then as I told you, when you read in, in Deuteronomy 28 and you get down through uh, chapter or verses 15 back through, I think, 68, you'll find something out through there. Every one of those curses that are spoke about in the, in the chapter 28 of, of Deuteronomy, in the, every time I go to have a meeting, every time. Now, the, what's this about? He either is God or he either isn't God. He either takes away all of our infirmities, or he doesn't. Or is it because somehow or other we misunderstood? Well, I, I, I'm assured that we misunderstood. I think that, as I said, I think we got duped, and I think we have been duped, and I think the duping is over. I think the prophets are standing up now and saying, the naked, the king is naked. And I believe that. I believe that we're saying, we're saying it all over the world. It's time to stand up and smell the roses. It's time, church, that we grow up. It's time that we get away from, we get away from this, the, 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 the sincere milk of God's Word, and we finally get over into the depths of God's Word, that we grow up. The problem, the church has never grown up, but we all think that we are. You can't imagine traveling this country, what, what Don and I see, and how sad that it is. People sitting, believing that they absolutely, and I said it earlier, believe that God's leading them here and God's leading them there and it's a stinking familiar spirit that's got a hold of them. And they don't even know it. 
And that, and that is sad. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, let's go to uh, let's go to uh, back to First Samuel twenty-four. I guess I'll tell you to keep your finger there. I'm about done there. I got Second Samuel I'm coming to. So, to go to the twenty-four, First Samuel twenty-four, First Samuel twenty-four, fourth verse, First Samuel twenty-four, four. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord saith unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thy hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. You need to underline that. David's heart smote him. He didn't have somebody come up and judge him. I said, the Holy Ghost, the Rehokodesh, will come upon you and do what? Convict you. All right? And he said unto his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Did David have every reason in the world to do him in? You bet he did in the world's eye. But what, what did David come up with here? He said, he is the Lord's anointed. He is the Lord. Did, did David agree with Saul? Not at all. Did David badmouth Saul? No. Did David sow discord? No. What did David do? He honored the anointing that God had poured upon him. We have no honor amongst us in the church. One for another, minister to minister, or anybody else. There is no honor amongst us. We do not honor each other. What we do is we destroy each other by the words that we speak against each other. That's what we do. And you see, all of this is given to us so that we can learn something. We never learn anything because what the church does is the church judges and the church sows discord. And, and, you, and, and we don't have any idea because we're doing that we have already destroyed, now listen closely to me, any type of anointing working at any depth in us at all. We destroyed it. God didn't call you to judge. He'll take care of that. It's not up to you to decide whether I'm a prophet or I'm not a prophet. I have to stand before God just as you've got to stand. And the Lord God will judge me upon those bases of that day, so why should you bother and get yourself in a mess so that you're down here on this earth all monkeyed up because you've got to somehow decide that I'm not a right about something that you want to be right about? Grow up. Grow up and understand what this is about. You are to, you are to honor the anointed vessels of God. They're to be honored. They're not supposed to be God to be slandered. God did that. What did you say? Do my prophets no harm? Why did he say that? He said it because he meant it. Do you understand that from the foundation of this world that we spoke about tonight, the investment that God has put into some of us surpasses? It comes to a place that's deeper than some of the other anointings. And I probably said that out of turn because I needed to get to the scripture, but I, I'm not sure I'm going to get there tonight. It'll be tomorrow. But you need to understand that. I make statements, and, I, and it amazes me how some people get all, all upset over a statement that I made. Don't, you know what the Lord Yeshua said? Don't judge me. Judge me for the work's sake. See, that, that, that judge me for the work's sake. How, how can you... How, and you know something? 
I've had people come to me and say, well, you know, Brother Decker, I think that you do all this healing and these miracles. The Bible says in the last days there will be miracles and signs and wonders and you're the devil. I actually have people, you know what that is? That is a spirit of hatred. It's a spirit of jealousy. It's a spirit that, that bless God, that doesn't belong in the church. But yet that's the kind of thing that I hear from people. What's it all about? People don't, you know, I always tell them, I say, well, go home and study to see what the Antichrist and the false prophet's all about. They're going to come and do those things, but you know what? They're not going to give God glory. You hear me? You don't have to, you don't have to worry about where there's false signs and wonders coming out of people that's doing it in the name of Yeshua for the power of the Rahakadish. Why? Because that's not false. The false end comes from those that don't give God the glory. Well, now, there's another little teaching lesson we won't pass a bucket over, that's for sure. Now, now David stayed his servants with these words, and suffered them not to rise against Saul, but Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. Now, it goes on to say, David also rose after and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David uh, stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Wherefore... Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy, thy hurt. Behold, this day mine eyes have seen how the Lord hath delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave, and some bad me to kill thee. But mine eyes spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see ye, uh, 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 see ye see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and, and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand, and I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord's judge, the Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. Quite a statement in it. He said, My hand shall not be upon thee. Now, 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 now here's a man that, that Saul was trying to kill him. He was, getting, he was jealous of David wanted to get rid of David. The fact of it is, David, David was convicted. The Spirit of God convicted him. And David came forth and said, Look, I, right here is your robe. He said, I, I could have killed you, but I didn't, because I will not touch the anointed of the Lord. I'll not do that. Now, where did David end up? David ended up being spoken of in the Bible as the apple of God's eye. The apple of his eye. Could David have killed Saul and got, got through that and still been king? Yeah, he could have. But I'm going to tell you one thing that he couldn't have done. He couldn't have performed by the anointing the things that he performed. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website www.jewishprophet.com and you can find out again all this material that you're hearing taught every day every week folks you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life you know what you can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com we'll be praying for your prayer request shalom until tomorrow and remember, with God, all things are possible.
Thank you. 